we have seen the emergence of what I call modern Internet of Things. It is rich in data. It can bring in location. It's really the connectivity piece and the data aggregation piece that is usually missing in the infrastructure right now in the market. If you have a large farm, you know, the wireless connectivity is not going to carry out. This is the Industrial IoT Podcast, your B2B show for the best thought leadership in the industry, bringing you education, information, and inspiration, only on market scale. Network looks stable. Let's connect. Welcome to another episode of the Market Scale IoT Podcast. I'm your host today, Tyler Kern. Thank you so much for joining me for this week's episode of the show. Got two great features coming up on the show for you today. The first of which is with Trevor Fishbach. He's the president of StarChase. And what StarChase does is they provide pursuit management and GPS tracking technology to public safety and government agencies worldwide. They have a variety of different uh, devices and ways that they do that. Also involved in what they do is they collect a lot of data. So they know a ton about high-speed chases. And what they're really trying to do is save lives and keep people safe as well as save insurance money and save money and that sort of thing. So they do a lot of great work. It's going to be a really interesting conversation of how they've really taken GPS and IoT and converted it into something that is able to keep people safe and be utilized by law enforcement. So it's a really interesting conversation. I think that's going to be a great one to uh, kick off the show today. After that, we're going to have a conversation with Philippe Vigneault. He's the VP of Business Development for Transitel. And we had this conversation with him at CES in Las Vegas last week. And we're going to talk to him about shedding light on why car manufacturers are moving to become telecom players in order to provide car connectivity services. So that's another interesting conversation to have, just how car manufacturers are really moving into a different space as technology moves forward. They're no longer just making cars that drive. you got to make cars that are are able to be connected in so many different ways. And so it's going to be a really good conversation with Philippe Vigneault of Transitel as well. So two awesome conversations coming up on the show today. I can't wait to dive into all of the great content that we have for you on today's Market Scale Industrial IoT Podcast. Without further ado, let's get to that conversation with Trevor Fishbach. He is the president of StarChase coming up next on the Market Scale IoT Podcast. Joining me now on the Industrial IoT Podcast presented by MarketScale is Trevor Fishbach. He's the president of StarChase. StarChase provides pursuit management and GPS tracking technology to public safety and government agencies worldwide. Trevor, thank you so much for joining me on the podcast today. Thank you, Tyler. It's great to be here. It's really great to talk to you, and uh, StarChase is just a, a really unique company. I haven't really seen anybody doing what you guys are doing. So I, I'm curious, just from the get-go, where did the idea for StarChase come from? Uh, in a way, it actually came from law enforcement. So you know, several years back, I was talking with, with an officer up uh, in the Northeast, and he was basically detailing what kind of tools they had uh, to deal with pursuits back then, and this goes several years back. And I was kind of left with the feeling, and we, we talked about things like tire deflation and just the overall, you know, like everybody sees on TV or whatever, the overall dangers um, associated with just a traditional high-speed pursuit. And that was kind of the focal point of our conversation. And, and also the fact that they just were limited on the tools to, to deal with these kinds of uh, events. So, you know, back when I was having the conversation, it was, you know, it was uh, Tire deflation was just making an inroad into law enforcement, and that's a, obviously 
self-explanatory. It's where the officer throws a strip of uh, nails, if you will, across the, uh, uh, the, the, the road and hope that the suspect runs over them and flattens the tires and slows down the events. So, you know, there's still a lot of, there's a lot of good things that can happen from that. You know, if they can, if, if everything works uh, the way everyone wants it to, which is to just safely stop the pursuit. Sadly, there's been a lot of incidents where, you know, these events uh, have taken officers' lives just, just using that tool. Um, and that's certainly not a direction uh, I wanted to head with creating a technology that would help law enforcement. Um, you know, uh, so basically it, it, it came out of an early conversation. Um, and what I mainly thought about, because I come from a technology background, uh, is, is really GPS and, and what we have today, which is basically a system that allows law enforcement to either from their vehicle or from a, a handheld device uh, to launch a GPS tag onto a suspect vehicle or you know a vehicle of interest and uh, safely track it uh, and basically not engage um, in the traditional high-speed pursuit uh, sort of uh, tactics that, that, that everybody's aware of that, that, that happens every day on the streets. Absolutely. You mentioned just the, the ability to keep officers safe in that case. And it also, you know, even if, uh, if we're able to keep everybody safe, it also has the added benefit of uh, saving money and that sort of thing, just preventing damage either to, uh, to other property or to, uh, to other cars and, and other motorists and that sort of thing. So there are multiple different benefits to being able to employ this technology. Yeah, you're you're right on, Tyler. Um, it is you know unbeknownst to a lot of people is, is we we're looking at you know pursuits overall. It's a multi-billion-dollar problem, and and that's billion, not million. Um, it's an incredible drain on 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 economies, uh, and it's it's sort of this silent, sometimes silent uh, drain on on uh, on the economies, well, either locally or even statewide, when they have to make uh, these large settlements or lawsuits, or they or they lost, lose officers, you know, uh, you know, tragically in these pursuits, or um, you lose innocent lives. Uh, the other thing that that sometimes isn't spoken about enough is the injuries that occur from high-speed pursuits, and you know, those are in the multiple, multiple thousands annually, uh, as far as injuries. Um, you know, upwards of 7,500 annually, uh, people are injured as a result of high-speed-related activities, and. You know the the economics of it all is is uh, is sadly that um, you know obviously you certainly don't want to lose a life, um, but the injuries are often from an economic standpoint uh, as expensive or or more expensive uh, long term uh, from an economic standpoint. Um, obviously, from the loss of life, it's you know that's it's it's a tragic tragedy for for everybody involved. Um, so from a saving standpoint, uh, there is a lot of work to be done, uh, but we are confident and we have um, basically under our belt we're very proud we have 10 we achieved 10,000 tags uh, in 2018 um, and from my perspective every single one of those tags is a chance to save a life and if you want to extrapolate that out into econ economics um, you know it's also saving money so not only does it save the agency money but you can you can forecast that out further to the local state and national level as far as as far as money is saved because you're not having uh, all this lost productivity from these individuals that have been been impacted by a negative outcome of a pursuit um, 
And that, you know, that, that includes the innocent lives that are lost like people like you and I, they're just going about our daily business and all of a sudden your life is over or you're in a wheelchair for the rest of your life because of a completely uninvolved situation that just changed and changed the path of your life completely. Absolutely. And, uh, that, that's, that's a great, uh, great way of putting it. Um, just that, that innocent bystanders are, are frequently affected by these, uh, these type of events all the time. Um, so when I, when I watched the video of, uh, the demonstration of how Star Chase works, you know, I, I think if I watched that five years ago, I would have thought, you know, this is mission impossible level stuff that I didn't know could exist, but it does. So can you just explain maybe the technologies that are employed, uh, from top to bottom, everything from the, uh, the device that gets launched to how that is activated and uh, and launched from the police vehicle onto uh, the uh, the vehicle that's being pursued and uh, and just kind of everything in between. Absolutely, thanks, Tyler. Um, and and you're right. You know, several years ago, the technology wasn't even possible. And I know everybody, clearly everybody listening, uh, knows about the events from 9/11. Uh, and I I was living in that area at the time. And and uh, you know. It, it, when I think back to 9-11 and then the, the, uh, the succeeding years from that, uh, very quickly you realize that your phone now had GPS in it. And, you know, all the GPS that we count on these days, you know, I, I sadly think came out of somewhat out of those types of events because um, we just didn't have a way of tracking things, people um, or events. And, and with the advent of much smaller components, that gave gave rise to this technology being able to even be possible. Um, back when we initially started the development of the technology, uh, it was about the size of a basketball. And then very quickly, um, and that was during the patent process and everything, but very quickly uh, after 9-11, sadly, um, technology certainly took, uh, took a much faster pace and then miniaturization uh, came into effect. And 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 Star Chase, we did benefit with that from being able to build a, a small a small footprint GPS device. Uh, and today we leverage you know your common cellular providers uh, worldwide. We have agencies worldwide that use the technology. So we have to uh, move with what's available in those markets as far as connectivity. Um, we also add our own uh, security to uh, those connections. Uh, where we can and rely heavily on cloud cloud services to store our data, process our transactions, um, and basically keep uh, keep ourselves at a 99.9% uptime, if you will, on, on availability for our agency users that use the technology. How have those advances in uh, advancements in cloud technology really enabled you to do what you do? I know that that has been really important for lots of different industries and for lots of different companies, just being able to use that technology uh, to kind of have uh, uh, instantaneous benefits and instantaneous response times, I suppose. Yeah, exactly. I, I think, um, you know, you could apply a lot of the benefits that we see, like you said, to a lot of other industries as well. And just the fact that we can distribute out, you know, in a cloud, a cloud way, uh, a lot of our data requirements and needs and response times, it, it gives us the ability to, um, you know, to move better, uh, more efficiently and, and, and more quickly into different markets. Uh, we manage our data uh, and our redundancy through, through a lot of uh, secure, you know, a lot of our secure cloud services that we utilize today. Um, and, you know, the overall data collection and the management of that data, uh, you know, while we may not keep everything in the cloud uh, just because of the sheer size of it, 
Um, you know, as I mentioned earlier, with 10,000 tags, you can imagine the amount of data that we've been collecting on basically the um, the behaviors of of these events. And you know, that's that's a critical piece that I would I'd love to get into uh, with you on this on this talk today. Yeah, so you're talking about all of the difference in uh, the variety of uh, data that you're collecting on a regular basis. How are you able to then take that and use that for other means, whether it's the movement of police vehicles and, and, and officers? Uh, how, how are you then able to take that and apply that in other situations that are keeping officers safe? Well, the data, the data is almost important. All these events obviously create data. And um, I mentioned earlier about the 10,000 tags. So you can imagine the amount, the sheer amount and volume of data that we have on everything from, you know, speed, speed direction of travel, um, location. You know, uh, what we can also draw and what we're also beginning to be able to draw is, is some predictive analytics, if you will, off of those data sets that we have. Because it's a very specific data set. You know, it's a data set. It's a law enforcement focused data set. It's a suspect, um, you know, the person that they're tracking focused data set uh, and having all those variables, being able to apply, you know, understand all the variables that are in that, in that space, in the law enforcement, public safety space, we're able to create um, almost predictive, you know, predictive analytics out of that whole data set. Um, and that's, you know, it's exciting for us to be able to provide reports to our agencies, um, you know, a myriad of reports on uh, everything from speed and direction, but also being able to sort of extrapolate out the behavior uh, of of the people involved during those events as well. Because with high-speed pursuits, it's it's not only a physical event, but there's a lot of behavioral things happening too. You have, you know, you have human beings on both sides of the spectrum. You have the good guy and you have the, you know, the perceived bad guy. And, you know, there's human behavior obviously linked into all that. And, you know, one of the biggest things is being able to identify ways to alter that behavior to affect a much safer event or outcome. And our technology over the years has been proving that we can, we can be part of that, part of that challenge and part of that solution. Um, and the data sets, you know, show that. Um, so that's part of, you know, when agencies move forward with star chase, you know, they realize that it can, it can uh, not only does it change the actual dynamics physically of the pursuit, uh, environment, but it also can minimize the adrenaline and the risk uh, that's associated. That's really interesting, and and I know that uh, that people like you, Trevor, are constantly thinking uh, if there is one officer or innocent bystander's life who is kind of put into harm's way by these types of pursuits, that that's one too many. So you're always thinking, okay, what's the next? thing. Well, how can we continue to improve upon our product and improve upon what we do and uh, and continue kind of innovating in this space? So is that the biggest thing that you see uh, moving forward or are there other innovations that you see that you think, I'd really like to dive into this area and see what we can do in this space? Yeah, I think, and we're, we're already, we're beginning that now. Um, we have a, uh, you know, we do have the, as I mentioned, we have the vehicle mounted system and then we have the handheld system. And then we also have, you know, the data and everything that lies under that, all the, all the mapping that we've developed that law enforcement uses, you know, we, I'll, I sort of talk about that under as, you know, software as a service, uh, the SAS model, the IO, you know, it falls obviously into the IOT family of things, but another, another product value add that we've added uh, is the ability to, for an agency, uh, really uh, law enforcement or, you know, first responder type, 
uh, agency to be able to monitor everything from their vehicles uh, to actually their people, their people out on the street. You're, you call it their front line. And what we've done is we've developed a lot of very smart, uh, a smart app application or app actually that runs on, you know, all the devices that law enforcement uses today, you know, smartphones, you know, smart pads, uh, connected uh, data terminals in the vehicles, uh, you know, broadband connected uh, data terminals, uh, MDTs, if you will, mobile data terminals that they, that they coin for law enforcement. Um, simply put, laptops, you know, and our app, our AppTrack 365 runs on all of those devices and it's out there creating even, uh, collecting even more data on the activities of that agency or of that uh, or multiple agencies at once that let's say are cross-jurisdictional and they want to, you know, share data amongst each other and 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 be able to see different types of um, different types of trends uh, that they couldn't get really into focus previously without being, you know, if you can't you can't see really where your people are, obviously when they're on shift, it's it's hard to be able to go look back and do any kind of historical trending on on how to either improve improve policing mm -hmm. or even in real time being able to take a resource set that you have people and be able to move them efficiently to a specific event right and with the app track 365 you're able to do that because you can see in real time basically where all your people are on patrol um, so if you have an event in the east sector you could very quickly uh uh, garner the resources that you need and redirect own specific resources to that event uh, versus putting out an all call uh, or what have you as you know as, as traditionally is done where they you know uh, they get an officer down and you have every single officer and, and for rightfully so I'm not I'm not saying that that shouldn't mm -hmm. happen but you know in traditional sense with the radio all you hear is officer down and every single officer in that area not even in that area, every single officer that's with that agency is going to fly to that scene because that's what happens. Right. Uh, in, in, uh, you know, in, a, in an officer down example or in a protest uh, or in a um, you know, say home invasion progress type thing, uh, you're able to, with an AppTrack 365 uh, product, be able to look at your closest assets and move them efficiently to that scene versus having folks from all the way across on a patrol zone come speeding across town to get somewhere where you can get basically the same impact with, with um, you know, with a set of, of folks that are in a, in, a, in a set territory. Absolutely. It's giving, uh, giving agencies the ability to utilize their resources to the best of their ability. And I think that that's uh, really invaluable information. Yeah. And that's, that's our goal. And, and it's, it's to continue to bring, you know, leading edge um, technology, solutions to law enforcement, not things that, you know, I don't know, I'm not interested in, 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 um, in delivering anything to law enforcement that they don't, they don't need, um, and that they haven't spoken about needing. So, cause we, we talk with law enforcement daily, my team and I, and every product that we, we currently supply to law enforcement, uh, is, is a product that has been requested. Mm -hmm. and, and that's exciting that we have very close ties with with um, everything, everybody, everything from the command level down to patrol. And we, we listen to every piece of input that we get from our clients or from our agencies. And, um, you know, over the years, we've been able to develop, uh, you know, very specific products for the problems that they face. Um, I would say the AppTrack 365 is a little bit of a broader kind of approach to help enable an agency at a broad level be able to get a global view on what's happening. 
within their force. And the nice thing about that product is, you know, um, it doesn't it, it doesn't require new equipment, which agencies, you know, are constantly spending money on on new equipment to solve an issue or solve a problem. And with this with this approach, it leverages equipment that they already have and they've already, you know, either paid for or deploys out with equipment that's going out, uh, you know, into the new vehicles or what have you. So it's it's a it's a very cost effective solution that that really brings a lot to offer uh, as far as visibility into an agency. And you're currently in uh, 40 states, if I read correctly, 40 states and uh, and growing, correct? We are in 40 states. Um, we're up in Canada. And we're also abroad. Very awesome. So that is uh, Trevor Fishbach. He is the president of Star Chase. They're providing pursuit management and GPS tracking technology to public safety and government agencies worldwide. But as you've heard, they do a lot more. And uh, it's uh, giving officers all of the tools that they need to uh, to best do their jobs. Trevor, thank you so much for uh, joining me here on the IoT podcast today. Thank you very much, Kyle. Thanks again to Trevor Fishbach, the president of Star Chase, for joining us here on the Market Scale IoT podcast. Again, really interesting conversation and fascinating work that they're doing there at Star Chase. All right, coming up next is going to be our conversation with Philippe Vigneault, the VP of Business Development for Transitel. And this is a conversation that we had at CES last week on our live podcast that we uh, recorded there at CES. Uh, it was live. We then replayed it later, uh, put it on our website as well. So if you want to go back and hear all of our CES coverage, that is there for you as well. But Philippe joined just to talk about why car manufacturers are moving to become telecom players these days. And they're looking to provide more car connectivity services. And so as everything becomes smarter nowadays, as our cities become smarter, our transportation becomes smarter, uh, just about everything now is it feels like it's its growing and it's becoming smarter in this world of IoT. So we're going to talk about how cars are doing this and how Transitel is playing a part in it. He had a conversation with my colleague Daniel Litwin that I think is really enlightening and interesting at CES last week. So enjoy that conversation. Coming up next with Philippe Vigneault, the VP of Business Development at Transitel. How are you doing today? Very well, Daniel. Very well. Love it. Um, so you're from France, right? I am from France, yeah, as, as my accent said. No, no, I love it. So uh, I'm guessing that flight was pretty long coming into Vegas? It, it was, yeah, through Atlanta, actually. Oh, through Atlanta. Okay, yeah. so you had a double stop. Yeah. But since you've been here, I guess, remind me, is this your first time at CES or have you been here before? No, no, we've been here for the last uh, three years, Great. I believe. Yeah, but this year we have a proper stand in North Hall and uh, we're, uh, of course, uh, exposing all our uh, services to uh, the uh, automotive industry. Wonderful. <laughs> Globally to the OEMs, basically. Yeah. Because, uh, we're not only providing cellular connectivity for the car industry, but also for the laptop and tablet manufacturers and right. the IoT and IOV uh, industry, basically. Definitely, definitely. Yeah. So tell me a bit about your experience so far here at CES. What has this third year been like for y'all? Well, it's been uh, thrilling and uh, quite exciting. There's been uh, quite a lot. I mean, the, the, the whole industry is getting into a whole revolution sure when it is. comes to uh, car connectivity and cars are becoming more and more as I 
happy to say, uh, laptops on wheels. Uh-huh. <laughs> Which is a great visual. Exactly. Now I'm imagining a literal laptop on wheels. Yeah. Who knows? Exactly. Yeah, maybe one day. And, <laughs> and as laptops are, uh, you need, uh, I mean, there's several services attached to it and uh, cars uh, are uh, connected for basically three reasons. Uh, the first one being, of course, uh, the telematic uh, around the car. So all those sensors getting in, you need to retrieve those data and getting it into the cloud and right. do the data crunching to make sure that there is a predictive maintenance program attached to it. That's the, the first bit. The second bit is that the one that uh, the customer sees is all the infotainment platform that needs uh, data and cellular connectivity for that through uh, services such as uh, internet radio. You, you might want to have access to Spotify uh, on, on the go. And of course, a Wi-Fi on board, which is becoming uh, more and more uh, popular. So that's the, the second part. Yeah. And the third, uh, uh, which is uh, by far the, the, the biggest in terms of uh, cellular connectivity need, is of course uh, uh, updating uh, the software and the firmware of the car on the go. So uh, in the future, you'll have to update your car like every single month. Yeah. So uh, as you do for your for your uh, for your cell phone, person, right? Uh, yeah. yeah. Interesting. Or for your laptop, same same thing. So it prevents a lot, uh, or excuse me, it introduces a lot of new benefits, but it also does change up then how you have to maintain your car. I mean, now you not only have to take it in for service, but you're going to be making sure it's updated too. You know, it's a, it's well, interesting. Well, it, it will of course update automatically. Of course, yeah. Uh, but uh, when it comes to uh, bringing uh, cellular into your car, so either you will buy a package of data together with your car and it will, will come together with your car, or will, you will have to top up your car as you top up your phone, right. uh, your prepaid phone, basically. Yeah. Uh, so uh, you might want to have a a regular package of a, a reasonable amount of data uh, uh, during the year, but when you go on holiday with your kids uh, on the on the rear seats watching Netflix, for instance, you might want to have a larger package of uh, data for them to uh, to uh, to travel, basically. Right. Uh, so uh, so, and this is uh, becoming a reality right now. We are servicing brands such as uh, Jaguar, Land Rover in Wonderful. Europe already, uh, already with these kinds of service, and as uh, the, the new EV are coming in, into the market. Of mm-hmm. course, more and more of those services will be uh, available. So uh, we're just at the beginning of this uh, uh, revolution, uh, but it will be more and more common to have this kind of service in our cars. Which is exciting, for yes, sure. So I'm interested, I know Transitel, obviously you mentioned it, doesn't just do technology or connected technology services for cars. You have other services as well. Yeah. I want to know, kind of in an industry perspective, why did Transitel and other companies that are looking to provide these services look to cars as this might be the next big market for us to develop solutions for? What what drew the transportation industry to, uh, you know, really become part of this conversation? Well, first of all, uh, we are we are not a start startup anymore. Of We've been there for the past eighteen years, which is great. Yeah, yeah you're you're leading the change exactly, uh-huh. and uh, and our uh, historic is that we've been uh, we were uh, an MVNO enabler for the past 18 years so launching mobile virtual network operator around the planet for the past 18 years we've launched uh, close to 150 uh, different operations uh, around the world mainly in Europe but uh, but also also uh, elsewhere mm-hmm. and for us it was a natural uh, trend 
to see uh, OEMs globally uh, try to uh, leverage on their devices uh, to bring uh, services to, to it. And uh, as they uh, want to, uh, to have a new revenue stream, become basically mobile operators themselves, mobile virtual network operators, right. data only. Uh, but at the end of the day, selling data as a, a mobile operator would do, basically. And uh, this is exactly happening in the car industry, but it will be also happening in the laptop and tablet industry uh, as uh, the always connected PC is going to become a reality uh, in, uh, well, it's already a, a reality for some brands, right. but it's going to become a reality for all the laptop tablets uh, and the tablet brands also. Definitely. Yeah. So this whole transition for car manufacturers to <laughs> really not only just be car manufacturers, but telecom players too. I mean, they're wanting to become industry leaders. Which uh, manufacturers are you seeing want to lead this change? And how are you seeing them actually implement that into their offerings? You know, like it sounds like a very structural change to their their business and to their company as a whole, which must shake things up. But, you know, they're obviously wanting to do it and it's an exciting change. So how have you seen those car manufacturers evolve to become telecom players? Yeah. So well, it starts with the need of the of the telematic, as I was say, right. saying uh, earlier. And of course, retrieve data from of the car to, to make sure it uh, it uh, works uh, properly. But uh, moving along, of course, as I was saying, the infotainment inside the car is the key element to bring uh, this connectivity to the car and bring new service uh, as well. So when it comes to telematic, you have other services attached to it, which, such as uh, insurance services, and you the car needs to be connected to, to provide this kind of service. So they will monetize uh, more and more uh, services such as insurance or others uh, through the connectivity uh, of the car because they would need to track uh, how you use your car right. uh, how, uh, how how you drive your car of course and how often you use it to uh, to um, well to make sure that uh, uh, the insurance plan you have uh, uh, actually fits to uh, to your need the model, uh, they are all uh, trying to find the right uh, business model, uh, and uh, and it's certainly an area where we will see in the future uh, new uh, new development and new uh, brilliant idea, I'm mm-hmm. sure. Uh, but uh, this is coming up, and of course, uh, services such as uh, streaming, radio, etc., are going to be monetized within, within the car, as well as video, of course, as 5G will come along. Right, right. So, I think part of this conversation, too, is that as car manufacturers become telecom players, they now have to add more regulations and they have to at least be aware of the regulations that come with being within telecom, with uh, providing those kind of services. So how have you seen those companies evolve to make sure they're staying ahead of the curve and they're not falling behind on those regulations? And also explain to our audience what some of those regulations are. So it's basically the regulation of mobile virtual network operator. And uh, depending on the country, because we are active in more than 140 uh, countries with this kind of service, uh, the uh, the car manufacturer needs to comply with the local uh, regulation, telecom regulation. So, if of course the uh, the uh, mobile virtual network operator legislation or regulation is uh, is uh, well allowed in a, in a specific country, such as uh, such as in the US, uh, 
then it's not a problem for them to provide these kind of service as a, as a usual mobile virtual network operator. You have quite a few already in the US that are very, very popular. But you need to comply with the uh, telecom regulation as any other service provider, basically. Now, some car manufacturer would like to do that or some other would like us to do that on their behalf. Right. And that's why we have also launched a generic brand called UBG. And this generic brand is meant to be used uh, by car manufacturer who actually doesn't want to uh, have a direct relationship when it comes to telecom with their uh, end user, with right. the driver. They just want the tech. Uh, they, exactly. And in that case, we will handle this uh, for them. Mm. And in that case, uh, we will provide the driver with uh, an app in, uh, in order to uh, to top up their uh, their, their car for right. with uh, Wi-Fi access or mobile access. And, in, uh, and it will ease uh, the... Uh, the way uh, an OEM can get into this environment and uh, well it can be just a first step for them easing the way uh, to get in touch with the uh, with their customer on the long run and become themselves a mobile a true virtual network operator yeah have you seen it be difficult for car manufacturers that do want their own in-house telecom services have you found it difficult for them to adapt to you know making sure that they are in line with those regulations and if it is how do they educate themselves what is that process for for actually staying ahead of the curve well uh, as i was saying we are at the beginning of a revolution of a, of a revolution and right. industry-wide yeah is is always difficult of yes course. Mm-hmm. and uh, and uh Car manufacturers are not all of them really organized at the moment to uh, become a mobile operator. Right. To become or, a telecom or, player. Yeah. yeah, or even a service provider, right. basically. Some of them are are doing their revolution. It's taking time. It's going to take a, a few more years, I guess. But they are shifting from a usual industrial player to, well, software Manufacturer, well, software developers mm-hmm. and uh, and service provider, and they are developing now more and more uh, software development center uh, or uh, or uh, other service basically. So uh, this revolution is taking time, uh, and as it is a traditional industry, uh, it goes rather slowly compared yeah. to uh, the uh, high-tech environment. But uh, they're hiring a lot of, uh, of engineers, of high-tech engineers at the moment, which was n- not really the habit for the past uh, 50 years. I right, would say. right. <laughs> so so that's, that's very exciting because it's very new for everybody. Uh, it... Uh, it it's of course very challenging for, mm-hmm. for, for them. Uh, there will be ups and downs, uh, but uh, maybe there will be also new players coming up, right? Uh, because uh, this will leave the door open to new, what's called the new EVs, new yeah. electric vehicles, of course. Uh, and uh, it will be also challenging for them. But that's, that's uh, an in, well exciting environment. Definitely. Yeah. So I think to wrap things up, it'd be good to chat about one or two of the car manufacturers that are doing it right. The mm-hmm. ones that are staying ahead of the regulations, they're providing quality service. And, you know, it could be a point of education for other car manufacturers. Hey, turn, look to these companies. They are leading the way in becoming telecom players within the transportation industry. So I know Jaguar 
and Jaguar and Land Rover is, uh-huh. is definitely doing this, and they are quite uh, uh, on the edge uh, of uh, of launching new services uh, in Europe mainly, but also in the US yeah. coming up. Uh, of course, in the US, you have uh, the first player of them being Tesla, of course. Right. I mean, Tesla uh, is, was the first to bring this kind of service onto on the market with its uh, large screen that needs to be connected, of right. course. And uh, Tesla has a one gig update every month uh, in terms of firmware or software update. Right. So it definitely needs to be to be connected, of course. Right. But uh, uh, new players uh, such as Byton that we have seen here uh-huh. uh, uh, on, on the show uh, will be, of course, fully connected with a lot of service coming out. At the end of the day, when you have a, such a, a, a brilliant screen as the as the Byton car, I don't know whether you've seen that yeah. car. It's really impressive. But without connectivity, it's not much. Right. Uh, so uh, so uh, so definitely those uh, those uh, those brands are. Uh, well, being challenges, but good challenges, and are moving the market towards uh, towards very exciting services. Right. Yes. Well, I think what's most exciting for me to see is, I think a lot of these offerings are still in more luxury level car brands, but well, it, Byton is going to be forty thousand. Oh, okay, so, true. So yeah, it's, it's not that more accessible. Uh, that, yeah, and more so that's that's I guess they are a new player. So mm. I'm excited to see how this technology ends up becoming that standard where you're getting it in your Honda, your Toyota, you know, you're, you're getting it in basically any car. It's now standard for it to be connected. Um, it's, it feels like it's right around the corner. It's not that far away. No, no. And, uh, I mean, in the, in the uh, in this year and uh, and the year to come, I don't see any brands that won't be connected right. or won't have a slice of connectivity inside it. Whether it's going to be telematic or infotainment or whatever, I mean, all brands out there uh, on their new model have connectivity, and I'm talking about this year. Yeah. So uh, so it's becoming a, a must-have. Right. I mean, it, it's not the future; it's the now, no, no, basically. It's not, yeah. Of course. Yeah. Uh, of course new services will will come uh, uh, in the future uh, to, together with 5G especially uh, as uh, the car will connect will uh, will connect together with the uh, V2X uh, technology yeah uh, but this is going to be there in a couple of years time or, or three four years time but uh, as we go towards uh, the, the V2X car connectivity is already a reality in 2019 yeah well it's exciting to see it happen in real time and I'm looking forward to seeing what you know once 2019 reaches its completion, which car manufacturers are on board with this new idea of being a telecom player within the whole industry. So, Philippe, I'd really like to thank you for coming on the podcast. Thank you very much. Again, for our listeners, Philippe Vigneault is the head of business development for Transitel. And if you want to learn a little bit more about their offerings, you can go to www.transitel.com to learn more about how the transportation industry is evolving to become more connected and, you know, basically making its way into what what we're standardizing now is the 21st century. So or visit us at North Hall if you are. Yes, exactly. If you're at CES, you definitely got to go check out their booth in person. Philippe, thank you so much thank for joining us now. on the podcast. It was wonderful. Thank you. 
Thank you again to my colleague Daniel Lippman for conducting that interview and to Philippe Vigneault, the VP of Business Development for Transitel, for joining the podcast this week and for joining us at CES last week. That's really fascinating and I'm really curious to see where this technology moves in the future and how things continue to develop. That is all we have time for in this week's episode of our IoT podcast. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of the show. As always, you can go find more content just like this over at marketscale.com. We have a lot of podcasts as well as written content and we cover 13 industries other than IoT. So we cover a lot of different things. So I know IoT touches a lot of other industries. So we have podcasts in those industries uh, that talk about IoT quite a bit as well. So IoT in food and beverage, how IoT devices are really helping restaurants make sure that they stay up to date on their inventory and make sure they have the freshest products. We've done episodes on IoT in retail as well. So I know that there are a lot of other industries that are touched by the IoT industry. So uh, make sure to go check out that content there as well on the MarketScale website. Just go browse around the industries page, see what you find, uh, and see if you you don't find more content there that you enjoy. We have come to the end of this week's episode, and we'll be back soon with another episode of the Industrial IoT Podcast presented by MarketScale. But until then, I've been your host, Tyler Kern. Thanks for listening.